Hey, hey, welcome to Hey Sis, I Need to Vent. I'm Poise. And I'm Tracy. It's been a minute. It's been a while since we've even done an episode and or just even interacted really. And I feel like so much has been happening in the world, not only with COVID, but with um, this resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that we've been seeing on social media, in the press, um, a lot of conversation happening about race. And I know that we all have such different feelings about it. Um, I know that for Black people around the world, seeing what happened to Ahmad Arbery and um, George Floyd probably triggered something into, in you and in me. I know that it triggered a lot of feelings and I'm pretty sure, Tracy, for you, you can relate. I mean, what's happening to the world? Girl, it feels like one disaster after another, you know? Everyone came into 2020, hey, the year of change, the year of perfect vision. <laughs> COVID got us all up in the lockdown and then Ahmad Arbery was shot when he was jogging and I'm just like, ooh, wow. And then just a couple of weeks later you hear that george floyd was murdered by a police officer and you're like yo 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 this world is not a safe place for black people and you know one of my goals this year has been to be more pro-black and aware and loving of my melanin mm. and you know with everything that just keeps happening it just keeps blowing and blowing my mind away of how how black lives really don't matter in certain places and how inferior people see us and it just it hurts to the core girl 100%. it hurts to the core 100 percent. it's like another like um i think it's interesting we can get into it a little bit later as we're talking but then mm. well, coming from africa and growing up in africa you especially i grew up in zimbabwe um for a time and then moved to england but when you are in Africa or in an African country, you're surrounded by other black people. So a lot of these issues are never an issue. Like a lot of the issues mm-hmm. that people are encountering in the world, black people are encountering in the Western world, are never really an issue. You hear about racism, but actually you maybe never experience it because black people are the majority where you are. And then fast forward to moving to like the Western world or moving to Asia, like you are Tracy. And every day you're reminded of the color of your skin and every day you're reminded that you're black. And for me, um, seeing what happened to George Floyd and seeing the move, the, just the Black Lives Matter movement is like firing up again. It's just yet another reminder that I'm black and um, my life. So for some people, my life doesn't really matter to them. Some people don't even see me as a full human being. I think that's been the thing I've been trying to, you know, that I've been processing and trying to get my head Mm. around, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. I definitely know what you mean. But what I'm going to say is, hey, let's just talk about growing up black in Africa first before we even talk, like, and correlated to what's been going on in the Western world. Because, you know, you said that you grew up in Zim and then you guys moved to the UK. And I grew up in Botswana pretty much all of my, um, my youth right mm-hmm. and the thing is you will say that racism didn't exist i'm gonna say racism did exist Quizzy. there was that uh no offense guys i am not um anti-white but there was that white man who would be looking at you but in your head you're like oh mm. who do you think you this is my country type of thing mm-hmm. and you'd grow up hearing that um you know america is such a violent place and black people are in gangs and there's always a black person who's disappearing or anything and you're just like yo 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 not my problem in my part of the world it's safe so what i'm going to say about growing up in africa is it's not that racism doesn't exist 
It's just that we have created a mindset. I'm going to speak for myself, but I've also spoken to a majority of people. But we create a mindset where if it's not your problem, you don't get involved. Yeah, 100%. And I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist. Everyone knows that Africa has um a history like obviously of colonialism and in countries like Zimbabwe, mm. South Africa and apartheid Mm. apartheid existed black people were treated a certain way for a very long time we had to fight for our independence but i think why i say racism is less so um whereas like in our history the racism was overt it was really direct it was really direct mm. the white person will call us a kefa and nigger very very direct but post independence especially in countries like Zimbabwe and less so in South Africa I think I think racism has become more nuanced it's become a little bit more mm. covert that yes there are those sure. people that are out there that are feel that they are superior they walk around acting like they own the whole country but then that that also um goes into what uh that's also goes into what racism is and that also shows a lot of their privilege because one thing that i've learned especially during this period that racism isn't just about somebody calling you a nigger or somebody calling you a kafir or people not letting you into places or whatever racism is really about privilege and power and privilege in a lot of ways for you to be racist you need to have power and privilege not only do you need to believe that your race is more superior than others but you also need that also comes coupled with that power and that privilege in africa mm. it's like that power and privilege is prevalent in the white people that you see then even indian people that you see that have to say who can also be racist to black people and asians. The ones who, and asians yeah they can like chinese we know all about chinese racism in, in africa but like the reason that they can do it and the reason that it's obvious is because there's that power and privilege but then you only experience it if you are interacting with them a lot but then mm-hmm. let's say for the little village boy who's growing up in I don't know Bambazi in Plumtree where there aren't <laughs> that many white people around you where do you really experience racism you know what i mean like it's not yeah. like it's it's not yeah. something that you'll directly experience is what i'm saying so and you never ever feel the fact that oh i'm black um you know that you're black obviously you know that you're black i think the legacy of colonialism in a lot of countries has made us very conscious of our blackness and you know that black people were always not treated well and you maybe associate everything that's good success and everything with whiteness but then you'll never ever use the word racism you know that's not the you that's not that's not the language you choose if that makes sense no it does most likely you'd use maybe xenophobia uh, xenophobia you might use corruption you might use nepotism but yeah right when it comes to like power and privilege and also you know just injustice and overall um in countries not necessarily like in some countries you wouldn't necessarily run to racism as your first reason for oppression but i would want the viewers to weigh in like let us know what's happening in your part of africa do you agree or disagree like i get you and you are right there girl i agree yeah no but it's but then like yeah like we're, like we're saying essentially um coming from africa your views are a lot different and i always say that i never realized that 
I was black until I moved to the UK because all of a sudden you become othered. You're an other. You have to take a box that you come from a black, Asian or minority ethnic background. You need to always tell people in a form that I'm black African. Every single time I complete an application form or anything or just have some sort of diversity form put in front of me, I always have to identify exactly what are you, you know? You go to school and... um, people asking you oh where where'd you come from oh no where do you really come from you know that's like a Mm. those are questions that people ask you all the time oh if you say oh my name's joanna they're like oh really but is that your real name (laughs) what's your african name (laughs) exactly because they're expecting an african name so the fact that you're black becomes like the thing that identifies you even before your name Mm. your color is what identifies you and I think mm. that is something that you get more in this part of the world than you do like in Africa itself. In Africa, you're a person first before, you're a human being first before anyone looks at the color of your skin. That's very true, girl. When you put it that way, when I think of all the things, like when I look at how I have been <sighs> experiencing being black in Asia, you know, with the Asians, especially with the Taiwanese, I'm not going to say too much about other countries, but with the Taiwanese, they're very respectful people, but there's always that look of, she's different. There's always that amazement, like, wow, the fascination. It could be fascination, like, oh my God, what? <gasps> or it could be like shock, or it could even be disgust. Like with the older generation, I'm not going to lie. I think the other day I was crossing the road to go to work, and this man was sniffing his fingers. Don't ask me what he was sniffing. <laughs> and I looked at him and I was on the phone, hey? And then he makes sure he's looking at me. And then I looked at him and I then turned away and I saw him from the corner of my eye and he spat like, <sighs> and I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> not my problem, fam. Not my problem whatsoever. But you will come across a person here and there who does things like that. But for the most part, I'm going to be honest and say it's mostly fascination. Like, oh, where are you from? You catch people sneaking looks at you. Uh, I was in the elevator again recently. And this man took a picture, but he didn't turn his phone sound off. So he heard a click. And then he was going off on the eighth floor. I was going on the seventh. So when we get to the seventh floor, he gets out of the elevator on the road. But wait, I hope you made him delete the photo. Girl, that's the thing. Like, people will take photos of you. Like, they will and ask. It, yeah. That's the thing that I don't like. I know that's not, that's curiosity. But then where does curio- where do you draw the line between curiosity, rudeness. And respect. And, and respect. And mm. even racism. Because, they're, yes, they're curious. I've never seen a black person before. But mm. if you're doing that to them, because it's not like you'd ever seen a Taiwanese person before. All right, but here's the thing, Kwitze. Like, I hear what you're saying about, like, it being disrespectful. And I'm not trying to justify this, but think of it this way. Growing up in Zim or growing up in Botswana or whatever country, when a little um, white person came or an Indian came, you'd be like, ah, that kid is different, yo! You know, it's that type of thing. It's just that you need to be mature enough or you need to have enough exposure. I'm also going to get up to ignorance on that part as mm. to not having been exposed to international, like exposed to different cultures slash um, races. So mm. I'm not going to be too offended because it's more so out of a, I don't want to say a good place. It's more so out of an ignorant place. But one thing I am going to say is what I have learned growing up here, because not growing up here, working here is that 
it's not my responsibility to make anyone feel comfortable with my blackness. 100%. For example, I used to go, like when I would walk on the road, I would like always uh, keep it in because I don't want anyone to feel intimidated. If I'm crossing the road or anything, I would, you know, make sure I'm behind people so that they don't feel like I'm going to come up and like jack them or anything. When I'm wow, walking in wow, the wow. Night, I'm just like conscious, like, okay, let me not intimidate them. And that's the sad thing when you have to realize that just because I'm black, people are going to... F- be stereotyped or they're gonna feel a certain way towards me, but they don't even know me. I think that's when it hit for me that being black is a thing. What you just talked about there are like the different ways in which racism can manifest itself. And then people talk about the four eyes of oppression. And what you just talked about there when you were saying that actually, I used to be really conscious of my blackness and I used to make sure that I make myself smaller when I'm in certain spaces Mm. so that people don't feel some kind of way about me. But then what that is, is actually internalized racism. And that's one thing that people always, that's one of the four eyes of um, how racism manifests. So with internalized oppression, people of color and like black people, we internalize the negative messages that are said about us, about us. Like, you know, people in the media, we see so much negative imagery about black people. Black people Mm. are criminals. Black people are loud. Black people are wild. Black people are savages. They're ABC. Every single day, Tracy, you open a magazine, you open a newspaper, you open, you you just watch a film. Black people are never, usually, they're not in a position that's admirable. They're not in a position Mm. that people would admire or even that even you as a black person would want to be in yourself and we internalize all these negative messages about ourselves that it leads us to not even being able to bring our whole selves out into the world and we do things like what you just talked about right there that actually i have to make myself smaller for me my one thing is that i don't want to be called an angry black woman so every single time that i'm Mm. speaking or every single time especially at work in the workplace you're saying when you're in a meeting and you don't agree with something i have to think like five times what is how exactly i'm going to show my opposition to something in a way that's diplomatic that's measured watch my tone and even watch my body language to ensure that it's not interpreted as aggressive or i'm not interpreted as that angry person um, mm. I, I remember one time really vividly where it was one meeting there was something that I absolutely did not agree with and I think that was the first time that I really came out of my shell and just really spoke out afterwards my manager sent me an email to say is everything okay with you you came across quite aggressive in that meeting <laughs> I was so taken aback Casey I was touched mm. to the extent that I went around to every single other person in that meeting and asked them, guys, do you think I was aggressive? And Having to justify no. your feelings and your emotions. I said, girl, so there's a lot in what you've just said. And um, seeing as we touched on that four eyes of oppression, another one is, um, I guess, uh, it's called, well, ideological oppression, which is mm. that white savior pro complex. That's sort of like what we talked, touched on a lot earlier when we were talking about um, the history of colonialism in, in Africa and the fact that white people, even Indian people and uh, Asians who are still there, they have this um, messiah complex and they also mm-hmm. have this idea of superiority. And a lot of that comes from that white savior complex. Is this like inbuilt belief in them 
that they are their race is more superior and i think this um i guess ideological oppression is really prevalent because people will be believing especially white people that sometimes they're more intelligent they're harder working they're stronger like there's certain stereotypes that are built around that superiority that the fact that they're maybe they're more intelligent they're harder working they're stronger they're more capable they're more noble they're more deserving they're more advanced um and it's um like a really i think maybe a good example is that even black like black people we can sometimes see them as this as well because that's what we're so used to seeing that we see that's ourselves true. under them in zimbabwe when somebody becomes ex- like successful people will be like oh wamurunguka which means you're now a white person to the extent really that, um, even people who work for you your domestic workers will call you murunguangu like my white person because in Sotona, we would say like my basically means my white person like you know ah lokwala me my savior ah facts, hey, facts. i didn't even think of it that way yes yes that's it and that's the ideological oppression and it creates these i guess positive stereotypes for white people and we believe them as black people and we've internalized so much negative messaging about ourselves that when we see white people we associate everything that is good with whiteness like like to the sense that we even lose elements of our culture because we want to imitate that whiteness so that we're seen as superior superior and i know tracy you've touched on this previously that even your dad he always encouraged you guys to speak english that was just him mm-hmm. guys speak english speaking english will open doors for you and to the extent that like you will say oh sorry i'm not going to tell you sorry girl i'll let you tell it no it's okay so by him saying that in a lot of ways like it's it's a parent wanting the best for his child but then what are what's the actual message that he's sending to you as a child as well that's very true and the sad reality is he was right because of oppression that mm-hmm. we have in our minds as to being black is is inferior like mm. dude this thing goes deep and i think i want everyone to have a moment to reflect on how much they have what is the word how much they have internalized such things and they haven't even realized it and how they feel that our blackness is inferior i'm going to keep going with these words like i'm having some breakthroughs just from this conversation as to how much I have been taught to not appreciate my blackness and where it's stemming from and it all makes yeah. sense and it's really it's sad 100% it's just this like yeah like this I, like ideological that they believe that they're better and they have mm. channeled marketing campaigns like you know the volunteers that they send out to Africa and everything they're always <laughs> in a position of privilege so we and we have ended up internalizing the fact that actually we are we're just not as good we're not we're not as good as them and it's really sad that that's true we believe that and a lot of like i mean come on you'll speak to like i feel so sad sometimes when i'm speaking to young people in africa and when they say ah oh, but you guys as you guys are so much better you know ha unless you guys you're like with white people white people white people vakarungeka or white people they're they're sorted out they know what they're doing but then i'm always like but do you realize the power within you the, mm. it's it's so sad it frustrates me you know that's the really thing like we it frustrates me because you've been aware all along with me it's mind blowing because i'm realizing how much we have suppressed ourselves to not appreciate ourselves 
because even when you give that example of like black people back home saying you know at least you have the privilege to be amongst the whites and yeah you know you're going to succeed and stuff what saddens me more so or what blows my mind is like the refl- what people picture blackness to be i had this opportunity like i teach english right and i was teaching grade 1 grade 2 and it was a story about going and driving around in a game park and one of the words i was teaching was africa and the chinese was there and they're like one kid was like oh i love africa it's so cool there's so many different animals and it's really big and it's nice and it's awesome and these other little kids are like i don't like africa it's very hot there's no food it's just like basically they were like africa's a struggle place you know and when i sit back Girl. and i realize like, even the ideology ide- ideology that these white people have about us is so it, warped it's just all the images that are out there about us as africans as Afri- as black mm. people as africa as a constant is so negative this one kid all they knew is that africa's got loads of animals but what about the richness of Af- the richness of africa like the the, the beauty mm. of our people the diversity of africa the different languages that are within africa the history of mm. africa people know such a um op- people have such an obtuse view of africa of black people Facts. because that's Facts. the view that's beamed out to the world by hollywood by like the news by the standards by the, the leading world western But world the, countries 100% the people who set the pace of what culture is are basically pushing out negative images of africa so how will anybody ever think anything positive for us let alone little kids who are in taiwan what do they grow mm. up knowing what do they grow up understanding they even because of those images that are being beamed out and that perception that they're building they grow up with that internalized superiority superiority hold on girl do you know which image let let people know what image we're talking about i don't know if you have the same view of the image but it's the one where there's that kid who has malnutrition and they are going yep. far to get water and that sipping water with little uh-huh. bony ribs are shame yep. and then it's like and then the fly and the fly <laughs> No, and mm. i work for one of the biggest humanitarian charity is in the world in the, the british red cross and it mm. is so sad to me and it sometimes really doesn't sit well to me because actually i work for a charity that is actually or an ngo that's really complicit in in often perpetuating that messaging negative. around that negative and mm. em- messaging and negative imagery i know that a lot of work like credit to my colleagues a lot of work is being done to change how we tell stories of the people that we help to change how imagery uh, how we show the imagery of the people that we help so that it's mm. more empowering so that mm-hmm. it tells the whole story because like tracy you'll never understand the, the power like you you know the power of a single image like I'll I never forget I'll never forget um we were sort of doing a campaign we went to an advertising agency and um to help us to deliver this campaign I believe the campaign was about um flooding Bangladesh 
and mm. what they did was on um they just showed us a picture they're like oh this can be your flagship image flagship image for the whole campaign this is the face of the campaign and it was just this woman in a sari standing there no smile just staring into the camera and they just cropped into her face and that was it no story no nuance no nothing so what does that picture tell you you're just that picture doesn't tell you anything about her doesn't tell you even about whether she's in need or not but then based on the color mm. of her skin obviously donors and people who are giving will just assume well she's a brown woman in a sari so she, so she must be poor so we need to give to her first instinct first instinct exactly and it, it could be the same thing mm. how many times have you seen a picture of a little black boy maybe playing football and then it says donate there's no story That's there's true. no nothing there's nothing that's that, true. There's, but sensationalism sells girls let girl let's just be honest there it is but then it's so sad we're just oh, not getting the right stories but then that that's mm-hmm. like what we're talking about i feel like it's leading us into like a really natural way in terms of like um into this systemic racism because all this over racism that we've lived with has obviously mm. naturally led us to this systemic and structural racism that we're living in with right now which is the more obvious one these days well not obvious because it's covert but then it's really in the structures and in the systems in the workplace you know um mm. i guess is that um institutional racism that is usually found um which is perpetuated through societal structures you see through the laws that are enacted you see through who can access resources and access opportunities um in the criminal justice system like we're seeing in America um and other parts mm. of the world in the lack of access to jobs i mean this institutional racism it's i think a more obvious example is one that you also kind of have experience with um Tracy is around recruitment the fact that if you have a more like in england for instance like this is a proven fact if you have an ethnic sounding name like if i had quits among makanda on my cv i'm less likely to get um a job interview than if i just put a more like joanna makanda because true. people have because of this ideological oppression and this internalized privilege that people have they also have unconscious bias So when they see an ethnic name they'll be like oh no that's an Asian person I'm, I'm I don't want to work with an Asian person or they already have um preconceived ideas of what Asian people are like or what black people are like so you won't get an interview and I know that you had a similar experience when you're when you're applying to jobs in Taiwan When I was applying girl I think I got over 50 rejections and the thing is I was told basically it was because I was black so um when I came to Taiwan I came through uh what do you call that I forgot what it was called I came through I an saw- organization thank you let me not blast them I came through an organization that um was doing a internship there we go and I had to have two interviews. First was going to be with the organization's people and then the second interview if I was successful was supposed to be with the hiring company of course, right? So the com- the organization was basically like a recruiting agency. Let's just call them that. So the recruiting yeah. agency I would have successful interviews they're like wow, mind blown. Oh, you're so cool. Whoa, Thailand, China, Japan. 
you know they're like oh china they're like you're really nice yay but then once they had to go to the organization that was going to hire me they would just be like we're so sorry they have said that they're not going to be able to accept you because they don't know how to explain you to the parents the parents have a preference wow. of a blonde hair blue eyed person and then the other one was just like you know what and you could tell that these kids in this in this recruiting agency in quotes were so frustrated because they were like i can't believe these people are denying her just because of the color of the, her skin and i was just like wow hey and then it came to a point where when i was sending out my um what do you call it when i was sending out my um resume to different people because this organization is international when i was sending out to the job that i got i had told this girl who was in charge of it i was like hey my name is tracy i have gone through this many rejections based off the color of my skin alone not even on experience or anything so before we even uh proceed with the project or before we even proceed with the interview could you please ask the hiring company if they will take me because i'm black because i'm at that point where i'm tired i'm tired of being rejected literally because i'm black and she was like no well well that's okay hold on we'll talk to you i had an interview with them they were amazed and then they chatted with my ex boss and she was just like no we're going to give you a chance and she was like i'd like to know your story what's been going on how have you been doing and i'm like i have been rejected by over 50 companies based off of based off of majority the color of my skin and she was like i totally get it um i was taiwanese and i went to school in the us mind you this is someone who at least has what do you call it exposure to different cultures yeah, right yeah, yeah. she's like she went to school in the us and when she finished in the US she then went to teach in Shanghai and she had herself had experienced oppression based off of her nationality because um sadly there are tensions between Taiwan and China which is just yeah. you know a whole conversation for another day but she understood it took her being empathetic and actually understanding what i was going through for her to give me a shot mm mm, mm and then yes. If you say that institutional institutionalized racism is not a thing, I'm just going to say flat out that's a lie. I 100% agree with what you're saying that people are not getting jobs based off of institutionalized oppression oh, yeah, based 100%. off of the color of skin. 100% because let's be honest, institutions have human beings mm. working in them. If the little kid who you're teaching English right now in Taiwan has grown up seeing negative imagery of black people and of other races in Africa. the world yeah mm. of, of, like of black people in Africa of black people in general black people are criminals, black people are loud black people are dumb mm. black people can't do nothing that little kid is going to grow up with that messaging that little kid one day is going to be sitting at the back of a desk having to make decisions over who to recruit when a black person's name comes up to him or a black person's cv comes in front of him all that internalized all those stereotypes first thought every it's going to be the mm. first thought that hits him because let's be honest because like when we talk about internalized oppression it's not just internalized by black people but like That's there's true. also internal, there's an also not, there's an opposite to that there's internalized privilege this is the one that people mm. don't even talk about internalized privilege is sort of like that acceptance of that belief in the inherent inferiority of another group so is that mm. it's, it's basically believing that another group is inferior to you because But, and then for, more, for the most part that's because of the images that you've seen so mm. there's absolutely no way anyone can say institutional racism doesn't exist as long as there are human beings within that organization and there are human beings who have been who have 
grown up in this society that we are living in, which is so negative and toxic, of course there's going to be mm. some sort of institutional like institutional oppression yeah definitely and um like just on the subject of institutional oppression the other thing as well is that i'm seeing especially in the workplace that i'm in is that it manifests itself through who even gets um like if you look at senior leadership positions i tell you Mm. after a certain level it gets whiter and whiter as you go up as you go up those levels as you get to the ceo you get to the directors you get to the managers it is a very white up up there girl there is just no color there is no representation there is just maybe there's there's one black person and then you see one black person in our executive leadership team and then there Mm. is but then it gets very asian um for the senior leadership team and some of the managers and then all the black people it's like there's this glass ceiling at level four that we just can't break through Mm. Um, and there's a lot that we can talk about representation and the fact like representation really matters guys it's important that as black people we see people other people after black people people of color in senior positions so that we've got something to aspire to if we don't see that then what, what do we have to aspire to aspire to so that's another part of like institutional racism that it actually affects how people progress and how who's at the top really Mm. yeah and um i guess the last eye of um, oppression is the one that really gets me this is the one that bothers me the most and it's that um interpersonal racism or interpersonal oppression and this manifests itself in the you know those racist jokes and harassment and microaggressions and that's the covert racism that is socially acceptable in a way if you if you know what i mean like um when Mm. people talk about this um usually it's the kind of racism that people say oh no it was just a joke they didn't really mean it that way oh it's not that serious you know and it comes out as things like people come to touch your hair uh people commenting on how your food smells uh calling other people names uh there's so there's so many different kinds of it um of like these little microaggressions that people go through or people coming to you like i always get this like people come to me and be like oh do you like stormzy stormzy is um a uk like very successful black um sort of grime artist i don't listen to grime music i know him you know him but people assume yeah because i'm black i listen to stormzy and when i've definitely experienced Mm. yeah well you say you don't they, they, they experience shock yeah yeah um you know that's the thing about having conversations you learn a lot but i'm realizing that i've experienced a lot of interpersonal oppression Mm -hmm. because for example like the hair touching of course here in asia like if someone gets close enough especially little kids and i have Mm -hmm. one little girl who will come and stand next to me in games and she'll like rub my hand and i'm just like like rub my forearm and i'm just like yo what are you doing and she's just like rub it. I'm like, my skin is not gonna just like rub off or anything. And it's fascination. And that's the thing. Like, call me ignorant. I'm pretty sure it's also ignorance. But in my mind, I'm just like, no, it's fascination. It's ignorance, you know, it's it them is. not knowing. And 100%. then I didn't realize that it's more so oppression. And then, for example, you're talking about Stormzy. Um, where did I go? I was on vacation and I forgot what country. And I was with a friend at the time, that friend. And um, we were in a place and he was like, Hey, waka waka. You remember that song? Oh, yes. Like, yes. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm just like, okay, this is just ignorance. Um, should I be offended by this? And that's the thing. Like, 
what's the solution man because i was having a chat with a friend earlier and she was going on about how like the system is failing us one two three how do we solve it because i'm a person who gets really frustrated when especially i'm talking about problems and issues hi girl where where do we go from here where do we go i mean girl racism is a thing it's a real issue Mm. and it's a living issue that I think we all when we start talking about what do we do about this actually what we it's a difficult question to answer but it's an easy question to answer like it's a mm. difficult question to answer because we are basically asking how do we unroot something that has taken generations and generations to develop centuries mm. to be to to be is deeply woven into the fabric mm. of and rooted into the fabric of society it's not something that we can undo overnight. It's a complete re-education piece. It's like you need to set reset on people's minds. We, as Black people, mm. we can never delete our history. We can never delete what we experienced. But as a people, I think it's important that we start owning our own narrative. We start telling our own stories that we find mm. empowerment within ourselves. I agree. But even when I'm saying that it's important, it's important that we find our own power. It's only if we're allowed to, because actually, like we've said, racism is about power and privilege. And the world currently doesn't feel like it's set up to allow black people to win. But I feel like the most important thing is changing the narrative, making sure that the conversations are had. Because um, like I had started off by saying one problem I had was it's not my problem i'm not going to talk about it when you do nothing or say nothing and you experience something and you don't vocalize it in fear then you're allowing it to continue of course Mm. you don't have to go about it the wrong way but if you don't vocalize your thoughts or you don't show your displeasure then no one is going to feel a need to change so one thing i'm going to say is i applaud the americans for what's going on it's very sad that it's taken you know viral videos for people to and of course like the black lives matters movement has been going on forever i'm not trying to discredit that but it's said that it has taken such viral imagery for the world to have this conversation as black people and i feel like africans as africans i want us to also have the conversation on how we empower each other because we can't just focus and i don't know maybe i'm going on a tangent what i want to say in conclusion is i don't want black other black people around the world to feel it's not your issue it involves you oh no it's it's it's, it's an issue for all of us and it's not just it's an issue yeah 100 percent. it's an issue for all of us africa even within africa even though we say that racism is less less of an issue but it's there it's there in a lot of ways in the way in which in i think maybe the racism in africa currently is that institutionalized racism how we access aid how we access loans from institutions like the imf the world bank um trade Mm. agreements that are in place you know um Mm. there's a lot of racism that is going on that is keeping africa down and we need to confront that the way Mm. that our people are being treated uh africa the conversation about racism becomes more nuanced as well because we start talking about things like xenophobia tribalism Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff but there's a lot i think tackling racism isn't just a problem for black people to tackle it's a human problem it's fundamentally black lives matter Mm -hmm. is about human rights that's what it's about yeah 
as human like racism is a human issue and it is for white people to tackle black people asian people orange people everybody all of us have to tackle it as a collective one thing that um we've been talking about a lot at work is about and a lot of like i don't know if you've had this question tracy on your end um from your um white or asian colleagues coming up to you and and, and like saying oh wow how can we help what can i do and we've been having a lot of conversations around allyship and um basically as allies they don't always have the lived experience so they don't always mm. understand racism in the way that we understand it but that doesn't mean that they don't they shouldn't educate themselves everybody has a responsibility to educate themselves about this issue they need to educate them there's books there's blogs there's so much out there just for people to learn not to be racist and even when we talk about being anti-racist ideological racism interpersonal racism institutional racism and internalized racism honestly tracy all of this can be unlearned if you really have a true willingness to unlearn it black people we can unlearn what we've gone through it's we're traumatized as a people but then we can work through that trauma and 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 really unlearn it i think there's it's it's an education piece i agree and i feel like we should make sure that we um keep having that conversation as black people all, all over the world allies as well have that conversation get yourself educated guys um this affects all of us hey that's what i'm going to say in conclusion it's yeah. it's not going to change overnight like you said initially but it takes someone wanting willing to sit down and try and make a change as a collective if one person doesn't and all people come together then eventually someday it will be done things will change and fairness like yeah concluding comments for me as well is this like this isn't the first time that black lives matter has sparked up it's sparked up before um and what always happens i know a lot of people are a little bit cynical because they'll be like well this we all this some someone gets killed we start to protest discuss we start screaming and shouting about it then it all goes quiet again but then something about this time feels different something about this time the conversation is broader this time is less just about it's less about police brutality but it's about racism in general and it's about racism around the world not just in the US racism is a global issue so i feel like there's a real moment right now and as black people and just as human beings we really need to keep this momentum going we need to keep having these conversations we need to confront injustice and we need to speak out white people allies please when you see something that's racist speak out we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and have these conversations about racism africa wake up you know not that you're not woke already but wake up we need to start fighting for it's just an equitable part of this world you know i know but yeah and i hear you so um, there's never going to be a perfect answer i know that this conversation that we've just had today um people have had it in like a million different ways over the past few weeks over many many years we're not saying anything mm. that's new or something or anything that people don't know but we hope yeah. it makes a change we hope all we you hope- can do is Yeah no and if you like yeah I mean I know a lot of our listeners are like based in Africa so it'd be really interesting to know like wherever you are in your part of the world how how you've ex- how you've experienced this last couple few weeks with everything that's happened how you're feeling about it and is it driving you to want to act is it driving you to want to advocate around this issue but yeah I agree
yeah cool thanks girl it's been a good one it's been a nice comeback episode it's sad that so much is happening in the world but i'm glad that it is hey 100 it's actually quite it feels cathartic i don't know if that's the right word for me um mm. I'm, i'm currently googling what cathartic means guys it feels <laughs> <laughs> i've just used the yeah. word that i don't know what it means um it feels did i use it right? hold on earlier you were saying kefa what's a kefa Oh, kefa, you know how in South Africa the crop like Kafir. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I was lost. I was like, you, what is this girl talking about? Hey, no, okay, no, okay, okay. That, that. So yeah, no, I did use it right. Cathartic is that providing psychological relief through mm. open expression or strong emotions. Yeah, basically, I yeah, just talking about this is really cathartic. And I think <laughs> what Sandra, one of the tribe, um, that session that she had a few weeks ago, that was really mm, the healing session the healing it session was. black people please we are traumatized we're going through a lot right now if you do have those in your tribe that you can speak to and create a healing circle please mm. i encourage you to do it because it helps it really really helps we're going through a lot right now we need a release but we need a support note, system yeah 100% on that note thank you so much for joining today we really love for you to let us know what you think you can um hit us up on on um instagram at hey sis i need to vent and um you can also post a voice note on anchor fm at hey sis i need to vent thank you so much for joining today look forward to you joining next time bye